up, NBA fans? Second Stringers NBA podcast here, um, coming at you at an exciting time, but also interesting times outside of the NBA world. Uh, we got COVID-19, we got protests nationwide, the politics of the country are in a little kind of an uncertain time, but we do have the NBA coming back. We do have that, at least word of it, um, but we definitely want to address the, the stuff that's been happening, not only just in the sports world circles across social media, but just across the, the, the streets in all our cities and neighborhoods, people just voicing their opinions, which is all great. Um, really just a transformative time in our country. And yeah, I think as a, as a young person, for me, you, me and you, Sean, I think it's a uh, I think it's 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 great that we're we're seeing what we're seeing and and, and it seems like some tangible change will come um, across across the police structure and political structure to you know give give justice to to those minority underserving communities and underserving populations in our country. Yeah, Alan, I, I think that's a really good point, and it, yeah, it is a very transformative time. It's really crazy that we're living in this point in history where I mean. It, this has happened all throughout history, right? Like we we've seen this happen over and over again, and I mean, hopefully this is the last time we have to have make a stand like this as as human beings to to stand up for for underprivileged races and stand up against systematic racism that has what honestly what this country has been built on, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, something that we've kind of turned a blind eye to every time that we've seen something go wrong and. So, yeah, I hope for, for the African-American communities of America and really across the world that uh, we can really get some really good change moving forward. And hopefully these, these protests and um, the way things are going can really help that out. And, yeah, it's 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 a crazy time. But, yeah, it's, it's really cool to see a lot of the athletes, like you said, standing up on social media and, el- and elsewhere really to um, create this change and be that platform and try to be that leadership for all these people that are hurting and all these people that have all this um, emotion and energy to wanting towards wanting to change how things are. And I think it can really go a long way to making things happen. Yeah. It's a in- interesting time. Um, I mean, it's, if anything, it's sparked conversations that aren't just, uh, conversations that aren't just trendy or only last such a short moment like these are conversations that we that have now gone for two weeks on end now we're now at a point where we've had days of consistent protests days of consistent conversations and nba players talking about it professional athletes drew Brees being called out in his twitter receipts being looked at by the entire community i mean it's 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 funny a little bit but definitely not and uh it's 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 crazy and it's awesome to see all these conversations happening i mean and not only just in the sports world but also even in my personal life and at work uh we we've addressed this from the highest levels and even just to the to common folks we talk about it on the daily and i think having the conversation is definitely uh super important and we want here everybody our fans are consistent listeners to know that we are definitely thinking about it and we definitely side with the african-american community and we are all for positive change uh both in the police and justice circles as well as the systematic circles that may involve the hiring processes and getting more diversity leadership across public and private circles so we are all for that here yeah 100 percent. well said my friend yeah no worries and uh you know definitely we'll keep that we keep that conversation going personally and we hope you do too so not to make a quick change here and bring it back to strictly only basketball but i mean we do want to kind of talk about this the fact that the nba is coming back and there is an agreement and it is official now but the nba and the nba players association have agreed to a plan to return back on july 30th in the disney world bubble unfortunately for you sean the the vision that you were hoping for that we spent so much time talking about the group play for the world cup world (laughs) cup style and it seemed like that could have been a possibility a lot of people at least a lot of nba writers were on board and were really hyping it up but that's not going to happen Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's too bad i mean you're looking at it and you're like well maybe it was a little too extreme 
for what we were looking at. I think we were getting a little too hopeful with what we were doing with the group play format. Um, but th- this does make some sense. I am surprised, though, that it, it's not um, 20 teams versus mm-hmm. 22. Yeah, I agree that 22 teams... And this is the point that we brought up from the very start when we were talking about uh, who's coming back. How's the NBA going to do that? Like, is it? does it really make sense to have the Kings, the Suns, the Wizards coming back, suiting <laughs> up to play basketball again? Like, could you really come? I mean, maybe De'Aaron Fox does want to come back, but I don't know. Just pick any guy on that roster. Like, where are they in their training? And do they have, can they get their head in a good place to just come back and play eight regular season games? It seems it doesn't make much sense to me. And I really didn't think that the league was going to be able to come to an agreement on that. But yet here we are. And I think the most boring option is actually the one we're getting, which is a little unfortunate and boring. I say, in my opinion, like I thought one through 16 was going to be pretty exciting. I thought going straight to playoffs might be a little more exciting, but really playing eight regular season games with some teams that don't really belong here. I don't know. I think this is the most boring, the more, the more boring and I guess safe option in a way. Yeah, I would agree. It's definitely a very safe option. I don't know if it's more boring than just going straight to playoffs. I feel like going straight to playoffs would, I mean, it's interesting. Like, oh, they're going straight to playoffs. Like, how is that going to work? But like, realistically, there's just no way that could work. And I do think that this does add some excitement because you do have teams that, maybe deserve to still have a shot at the eight seed, like the Blazers and the Pelicans, they still have a chance to get that. And then mm-hmm. if they if they happen to be within four games of the eight seed, um, being the nine seed, then they get to actually do a play-in game for that eight seed. And I, I'm not sure exactly how that works with the details of it. They, there's something like the eight seed had to lose twice to lose their seed to the nine seed where the nine seed only had if they lost once then they were eliminated yeah that's so, something i saw yeah so if there's a close tie within four games the eighth seed will get the benefit of the doubt in that if they win once if they, they win, get it then they get it if they win once then they <laughs> get it but if the nine seed wins that play game then they play again uh for a winner take all game okay so the nine seed just has to win two games in a row and the eight seed just has to win one of those games Exactly. Right. Okay. So, I mean, I, I think that does add some excitement. Like, if we got a game like that, like, that would be pretty epic. Like, we've never seen something like that in the NBA. It's like a, a win-or-go-home one-game scenario. You mm-hmm. know, we're, we're used to having the best of five, best of seven. A best of one? Like, that doesn't really happen. Unless you're talking about, like, the last regular season game and it just ha- so happens to come down to, like, an even record against these two teams. But that doesn't happen very often, so I, I would be really excited to see like, I, like the Blazers right now, along with the Pelicans and Kings, are all four games behind Memphis currently. So all they have to do, any of those teams, is match Memphis in these eight regular season games, and then we do get that play-in game, and I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I was going to say that the NBA definitely designed it to feel like it's almost guaranteed that we're going to get this. Like, to only be within four games, that's... I mean, that's Memphis a, that's would have huge, to get pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty huge buffer. So at this point, the question isn't if this is even going to happen. It's a question of who's going to be in that play-in game. Like, it's going to be Memphis right. versus who? Is it going to be Blazers or is it going to be Pelicans? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, the Suns? <laughs> <laughs> there's no way the Suns are in. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand how it stretches all the way down to the Suns, why the Suns got picked up. But all this means is, like, Greg Popovich gets another shot at getting his Spurs back into the playoffs and keeping mm-hmm. that streak going. Yeah. <laughs> um, Zion gets another shot there. You know, I'm going to say this off the cuff now that I just said the Zion. Like it, this feels like a plan designed to get Zion into the playoffs. <laughs> am I am I wrong in thinking that? Like it, like four games. Like that just seems like such a big buffer. Well, that's that's the only way they could do it, though is because that's as close as any nine seed is in either conference. Like the Blazers, Pelicans, and I think Kings are all tied, and they're four games behind Memphis. And -hmm. you look at the other side of the the bracket, per se, on the Eastern Conference, the Magic have a 
five, five and a half game lead on the Wizards. <laughs> so it's like there, there's nothing that you could do otherwise to make it make them have some sort of chance at getting into the playoffs. Because I mean, you look at where we were with the regular season, like a few months ago, there was still plenty of games that like maybe Memphis does slide. Yeah, uh, I don't think the Magic would slide, obviously, but. I mean, I think the Eastern Conference teams did have some sway here because, like, hey, what about us? Like, we're teams too. And so it's like, fine, we can't do 20. We'll do 21, I guess. But wait, we can't do 21. That's an odd number. So I guess we'll do 22. Is there another Eastern Conference team that's even close? No. (laughs) So you had to go with Phoenix. Yeah. And this is such a total crapshoot for the Eastern Conference. Like, if you look at the standings today, basically the Wizards are only brought along because everybody else has been mathematically eliminated from making yeah. the playoffs. Like they were out of playoff contention. And they before. were essentially. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like so the Wizards kind of just got brought along, but now they actually have a real shot at this. Like I think right. if you yeah, would have like- put if you were to play this out normally, they they don't have a shot. Like they're done. They're right there with the Charlotte yeah. Hornets as being mathematically out of playoff contention for like the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. But now all of a sudden they have a real shot at sneaking in there. They just got to win one, a couple more games in the Magic, and then just just do beat them in this playoff in this playing round. Yeah, which I mean, still still a lot to ask. I mean, obviously we're we're looking at John Wall still not being there, even mm-hmm. though if he did come back, I don't think he would even really make a difference. Yeah, but yeah, they they have Bradley Beal, and that's it, and that's not going to be enough for them to beat the Magic, which are overall like a pretty deep team uh, yeah. with no real star power outside of Nikola Vucevic, who is like a fringe star, if mm-hmm. anything. But I mean, that's good enough to beat the Wizards in a best of two. You know, yeah. If it even came to that, if it even came to that, this we're talking about the Wizards also having to play against actual good teams in these eight regular season games. That's like true. they're not going to get any gimmies. Like they're going to have to really earn those wins if they want any shot at getting any ground on Orlando. Mm-hmm. Granted, Orlando obviously has to deal with it too, but like there's no advantage here for Washington. Like they're gonna, th- there's very very few odds. I think that the Wizards are going to have a shot at even having a play-in game. Yeah, and I guess at the end of the day, it's not very consequential. Like whether it's a Magic or the Wizards, I think it's a a four-zero sweep against the Bucks for sure. Like, oh, hundred percent. But that's not that. That would happen to the Magic Nets, who who whoever lands in that spot. Wizards, yeah, miraculously, it's a four-zero for the Bucks. Hundred percent. Yeah, I just think that the the four-game buffer, like, just seems so uh, so charity like <laughs> yeah it's so it's such a cute it's so forgiving well, it's a it's a total money move you know yeah like they're like which teams barely have a chance at making the playoffs let's get as many of them in here as we can and let's try to regain the profit that we were going to lose if otherwise if we just went straight to playoffs because that this is so many more extra games that you're talking about Eight, eight games per team that you wouldn't have otherwise um, that you can recoup in revenue. And and I think that is a lot of what this is about, is trying to salvage as much money as they can because this season, I think, is, is definitely an operating loss for the NBA, no matter which way you cut it mm-hmm. at this point. But they need to try to get as much as they can back to stay profitable. I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, it probably makes no sense to us at surface level, but... For sure, if you dig into a lot of these decisions, it comes down to the dollar bill. Whether it's like the national TV <laughs> contract the or the re- or the regional TV contracts, like there's must be some clauses. Maybe the Suns really do miss out on a lot of money if they just don't play these these next eight games. Now, I mm-hmm. haven't done the math yet, but is it? It seems like it's going to be very possible. Maybe I don't know how likely it is, but it seems possible that. A couple teams might be within that four game buffer for the eight seed, right? Like, is that that seems like it's possible? Oh, totally. I mean, the Blazers, Pelican, Pelicans, and Kings are there, like they're in that four game, and then the Spurs are a half game out um, from what the standings are right now. So, all of those teams do have a chance. It's gonna be a pretty tight battle, honestly. The Suns, I don't think, have a chance, but it'll be cool to see Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton try. Yeah, I think, you know, like, I guess we're, <laughs> we're going to yeah. see them play hard. Yeah, my question 
I don't know if you know the answer to this, is what happens then if we have three teams who are within four four games of the eight seed? I think you... it goes to like the normal regular season tiebreakers, like the head-to-head matchups that have already happened. And then after that, maybe it's like a uh, – I don't think it's home and away record. It might be a, a division record as mm-hmm. a tiebreaker. It, it's the it's the tiebreakers that would normally occur if like they were tied at the end of the season anyway I see. for seeding purposes. Mm-hmm. So then, okay, so then, like, the, I guess the best, whoever gets the better better end of the tiebreaker is the one that goes into the, the play-end games against right. the 8th Right, and I seed. think that, yeah, all those tiebreakers are determined by the games that have already happened. It won't count the eight regular season games that are going to happen. So right now, when we're looking at it, the Blazers do have a actually a small percentage point better record than the... New Orleans Pelicans or the Kings, um, they're actually all three and a half games behind Memphis. And then San Antonio is four games behind them currently. Um, but since Portland played two more games than the Kings and the Pelicans, their record is actually 0.001% better than the Pelicans <laughs> and the Kings. So they do have that slight advantage there um, as far for as far as seeding goes. Um, so those two extra games they played actually will work in their benefit. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. This, I wonder if the Lakers are shaking in their boots a little bit about this. You think they're worried about yeah. the Blazers? I mean, I would be if all of all those teams. I would definitely be worried about the Blazers the most, definitely yeah. because that's an actual bona fide playoff team that you're dealing with on the other side. The team that they had for the regular season throughout most of the regular season this year was not the same team that we saw make the Western Conference Finals last year. Yeah, sure they had Lillard. They had McCollum for most of the stretch, but Nurkic being a huge piece there. And the, the depth that they had last year, they didn't have this year, but now they're going to get that back between Nurkic and Collins. And then they have Whiteside as a backup center too. Um, I, I've actually heard reports that Melo might not play, which might <laughs> even work to their favor if you're asking me personally. If you're, ask, if you're asking the Davidson family, uh, we're not uh, Carmelo Anthony believer, so that might actually help them out. I mean, there's um, just not enough shots. Think... <laughs> there wouldn't be enough shots if you <laughs> yeah, get Nurkic right, coming but, around. Yeah, exactly. So I, th- I think, yeah, I would, I would not be maybe necessarily afraid if I'm the Lakers because I know I'm still the superior team. Mm-hmm. But if one of those teams is going to give you the hardest fight, it's going to be the Blazers. Definitely, I, I would love to see the Pelicans in the playoffs. Like just. Lonzo and Ingram. Well, I mean, oh, I guess it just yeah. Lonzo, Zion, Ingram. Yeah, everyone wants to see that. That's the one everybody wants to see. But it's very likely, I think, that we're going to get the Blazers versus Lakers here in the first round. Well, let's just see how this. I don't also want to get too ahead they of myself. Don't count like, Memphis out yet. Yeah, Memphis could still hold ground. You know, like they're obviously unless they have some crazy hot streak for some reason in these eight regular season games, they're gonna be in a play-in situation with one of these teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will come down to a matter of, is Jaron Jackson back fully healthy? Is Brandon Clark back fully healthy? Those are two huge pieces for them. And if they can get some of that magic that they had going in the regular season, they can definitely keep that eight seed. Uh, even though I bet I bet odds makers right now have the Blazers pretty close to the same odds of the, as the Grizzlies to get that yeah, final it, playoff spot. And I think the next question here would also be since we have we have 22 teams coming back, obviously eight games, so not everybody's going to even come close to playing each other. So how how are these schedules going to be made up? Like how are, how what's the makeup of the schedules? Do we know? Has yeah, no that that's yet to be determined. We just know that there's going to be eight games. Um, I mean, if you're if you're looking at the Eastern Conference, that would be just playing one game against every team. I guess. Yeah. In the Eastern Conference, I don't even know if they're going to hold it to conferences. Maybe it's just a random draw. That's what um, it, that's what I want to know because it's like, is it possible that Memphis gets screwed and plays the Lakers twice, or Lakers and Clippers, and say the Pelicans don't play Lakers or Clippers? I doubt the schedule makers are going to make a team play another team more than once because right. and you have twenty two teams, and you only need to play eight games. You're not even that's like only half the team, not even half the teams you have to play against. So but, I, but, I doubt that will happen, but I mean, yeah, you could get unlucky and maybe your schedule does include the Lakers and the Clippers. Like mm-hmm. I doubt that they're able to account for that very well, but yeah, if that happens, then <laughs> sorry about it. Yeah. Like how, how are they going to skew this? Like it, it'll like, it seems like they're, 
there is very possible that somebody or maybe two teams end up feeling like they got screwed over a bit. Oh, like, oh, I wonder if they yeah. try to match up the strength of schedule that they were going to have anyway. So Memphis being one that was going to be that was going to have a long, a hard mm-hmm. stretch to close the regular season. So does that mean you give them just as hard of a stretch for the for these eight regular season games? Well, that would be, I think, more fair. I don't think you can do that. Yeah, like, in reality, like. You can't really think about that because it's like, okay, we're going to give Memphis the hardest schedule. <laughs> that hardest schedule is so much easier in the regular season than it would be in this scenario. What are you going to do? You got to give them the Lakers and the Bucks and the Clippers. Like, that's, <laughs> that wasn't on their schedule before. That's so unfair. Right. Like, that's, that's just way too extreme. And then on the Pelican side, it's like, are you gonna give? You're gonna really give them like Phoenix and Washington and Orlando and Brooklyn? Like that would just be, I think, way too much of a discrepancy to work. Yeah, you just take the top four from the West, top four from the East. There you go, Memphis. This yeah, is there you go, Memphis. Yeah, <laughs> enjoy the hardest string of eight games imaginable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that. I. I think it's gonna be pretty random personally but they're they haven't even said anything about what the schedule is going to look like and i doubt we will even see that until the end of june uh when the when the training camps are supposed to start and when the teams are supposed to start looking at traveling to orlando to start this process yeah now i don't know how you feel about the the actual dates but i i was i gotta say i was a bit surprised that the nba was willing to go all the way until a a super late july start and potentially a game seven NBA finals in October. How did you, how do yeah. you feel about that? I was, I was a pretty stunned. I, I did not think we were, the NBA was going to really make us wait that long. And, you know, more than anything, have such a small window between the end of this made up season, this makeup season and the start of next year's NBA season. Yeah, well, I guess what's the alternative, right? I mean, June 30th is when, like, the training camp's supposed to start, and then July, like, a week later, July 7th, the teams go to Orlando. We're looking at June 11th today, the day we're recording this podcast, and they've kind of been ironing out the details still of how this is really going to work. Mm-hmm. And if you said, okay, let's let's start go, let's start now, let's start training camp now, and then we'll go to Orlando in a week, like, the NBA isn't ready for that. The NBA isn't ready to come back because they don't even know if they're going to have to have certain coaches have to wear masks on the sidelines because they're older. There's so many details, I think, that they need to work on in the next two to three weeks for them to get to a point where they're comfortable and in a spot where they can get the teams to Orlando. So honestly, I think this is the earliest they could make it happen without it being a complete disaster. Yeah, and that's true. you got to think about the quality of the play, too, I guess. What I was really hoping for was that these things were going to move a lot quicker and we would end up with not so much the, the traditional playoff playoff route. Like, I was really hoping that we were going to get, uh, you know, maybe a three-game three, three game series in the first round and then we, go, we play a couple exhibition games and then just go straight into playoffs. That way we could get the train moving faster. Like, I was, I was hopeful that we would go mid-July start and then uh-huh. you know we were watching the NBA finals by the end of August or the start mm-hmm. of September but now it looks yeah, like, it likely be in September yeah now it looks like the NBA we won't see the NBA finals really start up until what mid September potentially late September yeah probably, yeah late September because if they're saying game seven's October 12th and they're doing a game every other day then yeah it would be like late September yeah but I don't know. I I just think this is the only way they could get it done right for this season. But then they have the. I think that the weird part is that they have to have such a quick turnaround after mm. the season because I, I think the NBA draft is supposed to happen like not very long after because they're planning on starting the next season tentatively now on Christmas. Um, are the reports that we're hearing? It's it's all speculation at this point, and that's kind of the working theory right now. But then that leaves you with basically mid to late October being draft and free agency start, which that usually takes at least a month to get going. Um, If you're talking about a normal NBA season, you're talking about only having like a week 
um, otherwise here with how you have to do it. But I think this is the only way, this is the way they could fit the most NBA content in um, and still get the same amount of money that they'd want to get, the same revenue streams coming in as much as they can, and then have as many games as they can for next season. Because next season will probably be a condensed season as well, so they can get back onto the July end of the season. Yeah, I don't... June end of the season. Right, I, I doubt that they... And this is what's interesting to me is about going so far, you know, potentially going all the prime piece of the nba playoffs being in september is like that's when football starts back up that's oh, on, yeah. uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll definitely get tv competition yeah there is football for sure this yeah the notion that the nba was going to rule the sports circle for a bit i thought was something that the nba was really going to try to shoot for but now it looks like they just really found no way to really leverage the time on their side and now september and late August potentially and October for sure is going to be crowded. It's going to be crowded. Yeah. <laughs> and 100%. <laughs> it's going to be, you know, we, you know, me and you would always talk about how like at times we'd feel bored, you know, cuz the only thing to watch was like football and baseball and no basketball. Now it's like <laughs> you got you got the whole thing. You got a whole buffet and is there going to be enough <laughs> appetite for the NBA to really walk away with what they thought they were going to get? Um yeah. So we'll see how that goes, because I definitely think for next year they don't want to come back into the summer. So this might be just an unprecedented event. But I'm I'm just a little surprised at the at the hard line dates that we ended up that the NBA ended up announcing. Yeah, no, those are those are all great points, and it will be interesting to see if the NBA is truly as popular as we think it is when it has to compete against baseball and football at the same time which is really not something they ever have to do especially like in the playoffs you know right like we're talking about playoff basketball versus like an nfl regular season game versus uh whenever the mlb starts up which i'm not even sure if they have a, <laughs> i think they're gonna start up in july also and then the nhl is also gonna start restart up in july with like a 24 team playoff oh wow like it, it's gnarly yeah they're they're having basically eight teams with a bye, and then a sixteen team first playoff round, and then another sixteen team playoff round after eight teams have been eliminated. Are they still doing seven game series? Do you know? I think so. Oh, I man. can't remember. They might be doing best of five for the first one, um, and then best of seven for the second. But yeah, I haven't been following it super closely. But yeah, I saw they had a 24 team playoff, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" If the NBA <laughs> did that, that would be insane. But also, <laughs> like, no one wants to see the Charlotte Hornets in a playoff game because that's like the lamest thing ever. Well, so. see, that's the thing. It's like it sounds really fun. Like, and it could be fun. I think if it's like maybe a two game series or something, or like <laughs> yeah. a one and done three yeah, game series, yeah. best of three. Yeah, best of three. But like. Yeah. At the same time, it's like, yeah, I don't really care too much about seeing, like, the Phoenix Suns and the Charlotte Hornets in a seven-game series or five-game series. It's like... That'd be so boring. The Charlotte Hornets are not playoff basketball. No. I'm sure sure there are NHL fans that feel the same way about their system. They're like, this team is not a playoff team. Like, I do not want to watch them in a, like intense competition it's gonna be so boring <laughs> yeah it doesn't quite have the magic that college does i mean college has the magic obviously yeah, because it's, it's not one and done madness yeah but yeah because it's, it's there's no um it's just a one in one game mm-hmm. series that's it and that's what makes it so crazy right so yeah, yeah. i don't know it, it it's interesting but i am excited that they did bring it back because i mean we were worried there for a while that we weren't going to get any NBA at all this year, but I, this this is very promising. I mean, the way things have been going lately with coronavirus, it seems like things are trending in the right direction. So let, let's uh, cross our fingers and hope that we don't get any more setbacks. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing here that the NBA really wants to try to protect. And the logistics of this has to, I mean, I have to commend the people who are putting this together in terms of logistics and making sure people are mm-hmm. safe and making sure that rules and regulations are being followed closely because this has to just be an insane puzzle here. Like players are going to be expected to get daily coronavirus tests and players have to live within this circle, required to quarantine themselves for 10 days and have, 
any player that leaves the bubble is required to quarantine themselves for 10 days and have two negative coronavirus tests. Uh, they're only allowed to have three family members join them in the bubble. I mean, there's 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 a lot happening here. Uh, right. Drug <laughs> tests as well. The regular drug test that the NBA tests for. Uh, and then what is it like once you're in there, you obviously just can't get out. And if you get out, then there's certain things you also have to follow. And then there's the question of like, one thing I just I think we all kind of forget is just how old some of the head coaches are. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're talking about Alvin Gentry, Greg Popovich, Mike D'Antoni, uh, these dudes are kind of old. I mean, not not to seem disrespectful, <laughs> but they are they are of advanced age, and that they are at an age where the CDC has determined you know people post sixty five, post sixty are that's an at risk age, and these guys are out here. I mean, granted, they're super in shape and they're outliers compared to everybody else in their age range, but sure. still, nonetheless, you can't discount the fact of that they might be at greater risks than any of the athletes on, on the floor. Uh, so that's something to consider. It's like, what, what are we going to do with these coaches? Like, do we allow them to coach? Like, is that ethical? <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that is definitely one of the biggest points of contention that we've seen come up in the last few days uh, with the NBA coming out and saying that they're considering having – people of quote-unquote advanced age have to wear masks on the sidelines or socially distance themselves from other people. But it's such a hard thing to say because obviously you're in this bubble, right? And the bubble is supposed to be full of people that have gotten daily coronavirus tests that have all tested negative for coronavirus. So why at this point do you have to also wear a mask if no one has coronavirus in the bubble (laughs) and you don't have anyone else coming into the bubble it's it just i think it is a little overkill and obviously yeah you want to play it safe um the cdc recommends it mm-hmm. but if you are really making this much of a contained system why would you have to treat these people differently why would they have like why would you have to make them look like they're in a weakened state i think that's yeah. definitely like a psychological thing for a team it, it it just doesn't create an even playing field in my opinion if you have a coach that has to wear a mask during a game, it's going to be so hard for him to communicate with his team what he needs to communicate. So I'm I'm not a big fan of that, and I, I hope that they don't have to go that route uh, because I do think that it will have negative effects on these coaches, both like mentally and in a literal fashion. Yeah, I think the best way is just to get an overall feel of how these guys feel about it. Because like, it also seems weird to think that the NBA was just going to force them to work when you know they're obviously a, an at-risk age range like it just doesn't it just doesn't seem like a like a very ethical storyline well, here i think they're being for they're not being forced to work they want to coach i know i know they want to coach but it just feels like that's a tricky that's a tricky storyline you could pretend headline that could you know hurt the nba but I don't. I, I. I. My intuition does tell me that obviously these guys are competitors and they want to be out there. So I'm. I'm interested to see how the NBA navigates this. Yeah. I. I don't. I don't think it'll end up being that big of a deal. I really hope it doesn't because I really <laughs> don't think it's necessary. The one that is going to be interesting though is that they are not going to force players obviously to play in this bubble system if they're not comfortable doing so. And it does seem like there is a slowly growing movement of players that are against playing in this bubble. And those players, if they choose to not come into Disney World and play out the rest of the season, they can't change their minds. Uh, they, they can't be like halfway through like, oh, okay, I'm ready to go in. Like They're considered out for the rest of the season according to the rules that the NBA has put down under this system. And Adrian Wojnarowski at ESPN reported that at least 40 to 50 players wow. from these teams, which, that's a lot of players, that's a lot. That's 10 full teams of players are not comfortable being in the bubble. And obviously, I think that a lot of these players are like the bench warmers, that they don't want to play for five minutes a game, maybe zero minutes a game in this bubble if they don't have to. So if you're like the 12th through 15th guy on Phoenix, do you really want to go into this bubble where you can't do anything? You can't be with anybody you want to be with just to play eight games and then go home. You probably don't want to do that. 
So yeah. I can I'm I'm thinking that's where most of these 40 to 50 players are coming from. It sounds like a lot, but I think in the end it's really not that much. Um, so to compensate for that, NBA is saying that rosters are going to be allowed 17 players versus the normal 15. Um, so you can bring on more guys. So if, if guys want to end up leaving, maybe halfway through or whatever, uh, you have more flexibility to work with. Here comes the DeMarcus Cousins card for oh, the LA no. Lakers. <laughs> for the LA Lakers. What about JR Swoosh? Or JR Swoosh? Uh, I don't know, man. He does not strike me as the type of guy who stayed in shape during the COVID-19 pandemic. He might be what's available, man. <laughs> uh, who knows? Honestly, though, like the 40 to 50 player number, that seems scary. And I mean, I hope that it's concentrated more on the inconsequential teams, I guess, like the Suns, the Wizards. But I mean, if you if you get a good chunk of good role players or a one star player maybe two star players in that list then that that this plan might just go to shambles oh, that changes, that changes yeah. everything well at least for that team but i mean i i am hoping that carmelo anthony is the biggest name that might <laughs> not play because he's really the only one that we know of that's actually said himself we've heard it from his mouth that he might not be comfortable playing in this situation so if, if he's the biggest name that sits out, I don't think it's really going to affect the level of play. But yeah, if we do see actual like starter or rotation players not playing for some of these teams, that's really going to change the outlook. Oh yeah, I mean, I think like even if I don't know if like Giannis comes out and says he doesn't want to do it, I don't no, think it comes. Giannis, maybe it doesn't break the whole thing down, but it definitely kills the momentum. That this movement, that this, 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 uh, this season is trying to still re- recuperate. Like if you get one mm. top ten player to do that, it completely throws away the credibility. I think of this season that would be yeah. bad. That would be a bad blow to the NBA. So I definitely hope that that's concentrated more on the lower tier players. Which, and to me, that it makes the most sense. And that's always been my point when we've been talking about this. Is like it just seems super unlikely that a guy. The tenth man or the ninth, eighth man on the Suns, on the Kings, that they would want to all of a sudden ramp up and completely switch up their training to quickly get into game shape to play five minutes a game for eight games straight. Like it <laughs> right. just seems Maybe like the, none. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the cost benefit just does not does not does not sound appealing, nor does it warrant the benefit of the player very much. I think. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah, I think I think we'll go with that theory for now. That hopefully these players that are not planning on not playing are inconsequential to the game for the most part, and hopefully they can find some suitable replacements for them. Uh, all these teams that are going to be losing these players, otherwise it's it's going to be a struggle for them no matter what. I mean, if you if you get an injury to a starter level player, like rotation guys got to step up, and yeah. then bench warmers got to step up. So. It could end up meaning something for somebody because that's the other thing we need to talk about is the injury risk that a lot of these players are taking on now, going from being pretty much out of game shape to having to go very quickly into intense do-or-die playoff situations, which their bodies might not be ready for. I think that's definitely something that the NBA Players Association was taking into consideration with this plan, but... I don't know. It's like, is is eight games enough to get your legs underneath you to get your body ready? No way. I don't way. think it is. No way. Not even close. <laughs> like, this month might not be enough. You just got to hope that a lot of players, as soon as they heard the news, already had something under them, and now are like just quickly wrapping it up. Uh, it's it's going to be tough, and it's going to be a case study for sure, and I hope it's not something that's brought up over and over again as in like see the nba tried this with this one time and this many players got hurt like i really hope that doesn't happen but i'm sure there's a lot of people who who are curious and to see what comes out of this like the case studies and the number of injuries and like the quality just the overall quality of play we're about to get from such a from such a turnaround of you know usually you get a whole summer and now we're only getting two months after being mm-hmm. up in the air of like when it when and if this is all coming back but right. i th- i think one quick thing here is also i just kind of want to get this out of the way too 
Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are not coming to play. <laughs> no, no. That was speculated for a while. Would have been dope for sure. Mm-hmm. That would have totally changed the scenarios. Like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant coming back to play. Oh, man. Lakers have to watch out at that point. Yeah. But, no, it's it's not happening. Uh, a few other guys. I mean, obviously, Boyan Bogdanovich we talked about a few weeks ago. He's out for the season for the Jazz. So the Jazz are already um, at a huge disadvantage. And, uh, man, if the Spurs thought they had a chance, this is going to make it very, very difficult. LaMarcus Aldridge out for the season after getting arthroscopic surgery on his right shoulder. Yeah, I mean, again. There's no chance for the Spurs. Their, their, their streak well, it had a shot. There was a glimmer of hope for a few days. But then this news comes out, and it's totally done. Yeah, I mean, it's like, for the Spurs, does DeMar DeRozan even care about coming back to play eight more games? <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, does not it... if Marcus Aldridge isn't going to be there, probably not. Yeah, like, does this even matter anymore? Like, he probably just wants to get get into free agency or get get in get into a, <laughs> a time where he can just start working on his game again i don't know all right yeah it's gonna be interesting i mean yeah you might have teams just like kind of give up you know like it won't be very competitive regular season basketball yeah but yeah the spurs the spurs are we can probably count them out um likewise with the suns so uh, the kings pelicans and blazers will make for a good run at the eight seed though like mm-hmm. i am excited to see that yeah, so let's just break down to some of these teams that are coming back. Some of the ones that are actually that actually matter. So we got the Lakers, Clippers, Rockets, Nuggets. You know, you got OKC in there as well. But why don't we start with the Lakers? Like, what, what, what? Where do we actually see this team? Like, I mean, in my eyes, obviously, like I think this team should should have been this whole COVID thing had their mindset that this season was coming back and when it came back they're coming in on hot fire and they're going to take this championship because if they don't take it now there's <laughs> definitely no guarantee the opportunity will be there any and next year or any other year yeah i mean lebron is getting a year older every year hasn't stopped him yet though so i don't know i think he could come back next year and be just as good he definitely could but for sure. You do have to consider it. It's like every year you have with LeBron is precious and you have to make it count. So, yeah, I think I think that they will have definitely kept themselves in good shape. LeBron has been the icon of fitness for over a decade now. Mm-hmm. He just he keeps his, himself in such good shape. Reportedly, he spends like a million dollars like training his body and keeping his body fit throughout a year. A million dollars a year just on keeping that specimen healthy it's crazy yeah but yeah i th- I think that he's definitely been keeping shape um, as a good leader and per- i'm sure he's also been in contact with all the lakers and making sure that they're doing what they can to stay in shape too but as far as the regular season games though i don't think that they're gonna be trying at all like they're gonna be trying to come back slowly and gradually super uncompetitive and just trying to get their legs back under them because there's no advantage, there's no home field advantage anymore. There's no home court advantage. Like they 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 did have some interesting talks around possibly adding in some NBA 2K style noise into the stadium to try to mimic a crowd, but obviously that's not going to be the same, and they'll know it's fake. Yeah. So I don't think that they have any motive. They might lose all eight regular season games. Honestly, if the Grizzlies have to play the Lakers and the Bucks. They might not even be trying because there's no <laughs> advantage to them winning these regular season games. So that's kind of the outlook I see for the Lakers. That they're going to use as much time as they can to figure out the plays again to get comfortable in the system. And they're not even going to care about the score. They're not going to try to win. They're just going to try to run through their sets. Yeah, I agree. And it almost seems now that that gap that they built on the Clippers, the five and a half game lead, maybe their biggest blessing because now they can probably still get away with getting the oh, number yeah. one seed by just going like two yeah. and eight the, which it doesn't even matter who cares if you have the one seed yeah you can drop down to the three seed doesn't matter right you, you i guess it would just be like theoretically trying to get the better matchups but yeah, yeah you're right sure. i mean at the end of the day, like if I almost hope that the Lakers come back and don't try to go eight oh. Like I almost hope that they try to only just go two and eight 
one and eight maybe don't like maybe not go zero and eight but all they have to do is go three and five to lock up the one seed so like maybe they win those three games but like that's that's if the clippers and the nuggets go eight and oh you know mm-hmm. like so lakers win one or two games they've locked it up <laughs> yeah i want this seed to go slow i want there to be get their legs under them and let's focus on the playoffs and bring home a championship i think they're in a good yeah. spot what about the Clippers here? Pastor Kawhi and Paul George is there hasn't really been much noise on the Clippers. Like I feel like the Laker guys pop in and out on podcasts and pop in and out. You know, obviously <laughs> we had the whole Kobe thing, Kobe stuff that's been happening. Like people popped have popped in and done interviews, mm-hmm. but I haven't really seen much on Clippers. Well, that's the Kawhi Leonard way, my friend. He's <laughs> not going to say anything for the press, especially at a time when he has nothing going on. Yeah, but you you know Kawhi's been working. You know, man, he's probably so healthy right now. Like that that's the thing I'm most excited about is he's gonna actually go into this playoffs completely healthy versus last year where he was basically on one leg, just <laughs> just pulling the Raptors along into through all of the rounds. But now we're gonna get to see a fully healthy Kawhi with a fully healthy Paul George. That's going to be very deadly, and I, I mean, they're not going to go for the one seed. I don't think it's worth it for them either. I think mm-hmm. they're fine playing against whoever at this point. Um, maybe they want to avoid get, dropping down to, like, the four seed and possibly having to play against Houston, but they'll, they'll likely end up somewhere between two, three, I'd say, somewhere in that spot, and I think they're totally fine with that. Honestly, th- this regular season is going to be really weird. Like, I don't think teams are going to care as much about seeding as they are about just making sure that they're ready to play when the playoffs come. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be an interesting balance to strike. But for the Clippers, I, I think they're just going to coast these eight games like the Lakers are and just make sure all their guys are healthy when the first round starts. Yeah, I agree. And moving on you know, to the Rockets here with the skinnier James Harden, quote-unquote. <laughs> yeah, Moses Harden. <laughs> I mean, matchups, yeah. I mean, I guess the seeding doesn't really matter, but I would say the matchups matter for this team in particular just because yeah. you now have a weaker Jazz team out there. So maybe you try to get yourself in into a spot where you end up playing this Jazz team in the first round as opposed to uh, the Denver Nuggets or the Clippers. So maybe there's some maneuvering in there with the Jazz currently holding the fourth seed. Like maybe you try to get yourself into the fifth seed to play that team in the first round. Not to assume that maybe they, they fall down to the fifth and then you can get your way, your way into the four. So I could see that maybe playing a little part here for the Rockets. But we didn't really get a glimpse as to whether this Rockets experiment was actually going to work. Like it seemed like it worked, <laughs> but then they took a big nosedive and then the, yeah. this whole situation <laughs> happened. So I'm interested yeah. to see what's going to happen when the season restarts because this team, if they were exhausted, they now got their they now got the much needed rest they needed. Right. Yeah. I think PJ Tucker was definitely the big point of emphasis for everybody when this all happened. Is like, man, PJ Tucker is going to be dead by the time this team's done in the playoffs because <laughs> they're having this poor man play 38, 40 minutes a game trying to box out guys like Nikola Jokic and Rudy Gobert like this is going to be impossible for him Mm -hmm. Uh, but now now he gets to go into it fresh so PJ Tucker won't be as much of a concern and we will get to see the small ball kind of work in as good of a position as it can uh, with all the legs being fresh that's that's what that system needs so it could be a good thing for the Rockets too and and for the Nuggets I think this might have been the best thing ever. You're talking about <laughs> Nikola Jokic coming back, looking like Kristaps Porzingis out there. Yeah. Yeah, what the heck is that, man? This guy, I swear, I swear, man, this guy has been driving me crazy all year. <laughs> I thought this guy was going to come out the gates and be the third best player in the NBA this year. I don't know about the third, but definitely a top five. And this yeah. man came out the gates looking like he belonged in the top twenty-five or top <laughs> thirty. Like he belonged on on the Pillsbury Crescent Rolls package. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he this man put up some joke box and box score nights, like not even box score, <laughs> just just like average just performance. Yeah. yeah, and then he turned. He hit a. He definitely turned a new corner. Uh, after the All Star break, I think, like in January, come mm-hmm. January, mm-hmm. and. 
And now we got a skinny Joe kick. Like, I don't even know what this means. Like, does this mean we're getting that Joe kick? Like, an even better version of January Joe kick? Or does this mean he's, like, completely redefining his game and now we're going to – now who knows what we're going to get? Or does this mean this guy's just on some some skimpy-type diet and we're going to get an even horrible version of Joe kick come the season? So oh. I just have no idea what, what what's up with this guy. I don't know. I I don't know. I I think it's a good thing. Like you don't go on quarantine and lose weight if you're not working out. You know, like he, he, there's no way he's just like, yeah, I'm. I don't have anything to do today. I'm just gonna eat nothing. I'm gonna fast. <laughs> I, there's no way he just lost muscle and lost pounds that way. Like he was definitely working out and eating healthy. I I just don't see how you lose that much weight in quarantine doing nothing. You know. And are, so, but are I we think sh- it's going to be a good thing. I was going to say, are we sure that he's lost weight and it's not just the camera angles? <laughs> no way. That would have to be a ridiculous... Obviously, yeah, there's different angles to make with the camera. <laughs> like the infamous Matt Barnes, Kobe Bryant moment. Yeah. But, yeah, no, this... I think this is a real deal, man. Like, people have seen him in person and reported this, and it, it's legit. He's lost... 90 pounds <laughs> and this is but this is just off i right like he lost 90 pounds potentially not he came out and said he lost 90 pounds i don't really know where the 90 pounds came from but i did <laughs> see 90 pounds yeah i i'm cute i honestly have no idea but on one hand you got skinny joe kick and on the other hand you got out of shape Dantic. like this is fun to speculate, but I really have no idea. I'd like to think that Doncic isn't really out of shape. Like he maybe he always just seemed a little more, uh, I guess not quite as muscular as most NBA players. But that's not to say that he's not a great player. Right? Yeah, and we've doubted Doncic in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Like he he was deemed like out of shape in general, like coming into the NBA. People are like, yeah, he's too slow. He's never going to be able to keep up. But it's all about his basketball IQ, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't beat you with extreme athleticism. He's not like a Blake Griffin type. So I'm not very worried about Doncic, but that's the storyline that's that's coming out right now. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> I, I think he'll be fine. He'll, he'll probably be his usual self. I think so. I think so as well. Um, and then we got you know nerd- if, if Jokic If Jokic lost 90 pounds... If he lost 90 pounds, he would be under 200 pounds. Yeah, there's no way. That's, there's no way. Yeah. that I, I just had to look up his weight. I'm like, how much did he weigh before? Like 90 pounds. That, he looks so skinny. He looks so skinny, though. So I'm like, maybe he did lose 90 pounds. That seems like oh, a maybe, ridiculous maybe amount. I don't. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's pretty crazy. And what it does that even like he mean? Body swapped. It seems like he body swapped with Porzingis. <laughs> literally, it's it's insane. I mean, is that even healthy? Is that a healthy amount to lose? Like, what the heck does that even really mean? Like, he 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 yeah. played well as a big guy. He bullied people, got his rebounds. I mean, yeah, kind of. He he kind of got bullied also. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he just he was just too tired all the time. <laughs> but I don't know, man. This will be. Uh, I'm interested to see what his weigh ins gonna be. If it's like 210 pounds, that's gonna be insane. That's that's crazy. I mean, if he's quicker, but he's still just as... I mean, he's still got to be himself, though. His game is still, like, you know, body to body, like, in the post. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe not anymore. That's going to be interesting. It could be a transformation. Yeah. So how about this? Like, who, which players have the most to gain and lose from winning this Asterix Championship? This is a question you have here, Sean. <laughs> and yeah. I think this is going to kind of suck a little bit. It's like... All this effort is going to come into it from the players and the teams to get crowned an NBA championship. But is this still a respectable NBA championship? Like, to my eyes, it should be. But I could already yeah. hear the storylines, like the ask, trying to put the asterisk onto it. Um, mm-hmm. But who really has the most to gain here and really get themselves ramped up? I think for me, the the answer is easy. It's LeBron, for sure. Like, mm. LeBron. That's easy. Interesting. Oh, yeah. For, like, his. His story is coming to a close so quickly now, and we got the the Michael Jordan conversation happening, uh, you know, with the last dance and where LeBron stands against Michael and everybody, all the other greats, and 
his biggest criticism is going to be his finals record. And unfortunately for him, you know, those Warriors teams were just so beefy. It was <laughs> difficult to so beat. Unfair. Exactly that. And this is it, man. Like, now he's got that top five player right alongside him. I don't think he's really ha- had anything close to that. I mean, even Miami, I'm not sure Dwayne Wade was that at that time. But um, he's got that player there. He's got the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the window is open. Like, there isn't really a clear favorite to take it. So I, I think it's either now or never for LeBron. So I think it's obviously, to me, it's easy. It's him. He's got the most to to gain and also lose from not winning, from not walking away with the title this year. So I'm going to have to say James Harden. Oh, (laughs) Yeah, James Harden, I think, has the most to lose slash gain from from this championship because while, sure, LeBron's window of his career is a lot lower, like he's only going to play maybe like three, four, five more years, and Harden's going to play a little longer than that, hopefully. One of these people has multiple championships, and the other has zero. <laughs> James Harden has zero. And you could even say Russell Westbrook is probably pretty close um, to it being as much of a loss for him if he doesn't win a championship as Harden. But I think Harden is overall the better player. And to cement his spot as being one of the all-time greats in the NBA, LeBron's already done that. Kawhi's already done that. James Harden needs that title to i think give himself that title as one of the best to ever play that's the only thing he's really missing from his resume right now that these other guys do have oh yeah and and just with the makeup of the teams that he's had i mean his chance was obviously back when they were up three two against the warriors and Mm -hmm. they should have won that series but they shot like zero for a million (laughs) from three point i mean that was his chance that was his chance, and this is really, I think, his last feasible chance that we can see because this team isn't going to get better than what it is right now. It's constructed in the way that's supposed to be optimal for what they have, and they're locked into all these guys for multiple years for the rest of Harden's prime, honestly. So if they can't win it here, the only other way he wins a title is when he might have to settle to be uh, maybe a second fiddle to another player. And on another team after his contract in Houston expires, or as like a bench warmer, like Vince Carter status at the end of his career. Those are his last two options to win a title, and that does not sound as good as you were the guy on the team that that was the MVP of that team, the MVP of the league when you won the championship. Yeah, and I think my rebuttal is probably the answer to your also, you know, plays into your answer is that James Harden doesn't even come to mind when I try when I think about this question because he just doesn't get the respect he just doesn't get respect man and exactly. and yeah, yeah. And, and that's why you're right he does that's what he has to gain from winning this championship and yeah when I think James Harden it's like we all think great player great player but you ask anybody who the top two guards are it's going to be Michael Kobe Dwayne Wade and maybe James Harden at a distant fourth right now just because he doesn't have that title. So, yeah, I mean, to me, it's like when I think about Mm -hmm. this question, he doesn't even come to mind. LeBron by far comes to mind to me. And it's probably that because James Harden just doesn't get that respect (laughs) because he just hasn't been able to win. And and even then, Sean, like he had that shot two years ago, but I would even say he had a shot last year, and I'm not sure how him and the Rockets didn't, how they also blew it. Chris Paul kind of sucked last year. Like they had yeah, no Durant. Just, like they had the <laughs> shot too last year, and they kind of blew it. They yeah, they did totally blow it. But that still wasn't as close as it was two years before, you know, mm-hmm. or two years ago. Like that that was so close. Like that you could you were like, I think Houston's actually going to win this series. At no point last year was I like, man, Houston has a chance at this. I was like, dude, they're just blowing it. Yeah. Like they literally gave themselves no chance to win, and two years ago they did. So yeah, for me, that was their best chance, and this is again their best chance. It's wide open. It's anyone's game at this point, honestly, because the rules are not the same. The same rules do not apply when you're talking about a season that's completely altered the landscape of the NBA. It's like everyone's coming in cold. You have as good a chance as anybody. 
I, it says wide open as it could be. The favorites are not as much of favorites as they were before this all happened. Yeah, the the normal variables are just not there. The travel, mm-hmm. the 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 moments of it, like it's just gonna feel for, like an AAU basketball tournament for these guys. Probably, like you're all just yeah, playing on right. the same gym. You guys are all just like rotating out. Like it's yeah, for it, sure. That that magic just won't really be there without the fans. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, right. maybe that will play into an open field uh, for anybody to potentially win it. But I mean, I gotta go LeBron number one for sure. And maybe you convince me here, Sean, to put uh, James Harden as an honorable mention and who as who has the I most didn't to gain to lose. You enough? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm still. I still got. I LeBron's got to get that number four, man. He's got to. Uh. He's just got to get that record a little bit better. And then in terms of the other guys, like, no one on this list really seems quite as consequential. I mean, we got a lot of young guys on this list. Uh, Joe Kick, Luka Doncic, Giannis. Uh, I mean, Russell Westbrook paired up here with James Harden. But even the Clipper, like Kawhi, I'm sure Paul George wants his first title. But, sure, I mean, Kawhi is like, this guy's. he's going to be a name here for, for a couple of years, I think. Yeah, I, I do think Giannis is definitely worth mentioning because kind of for the same reasons as any of the other guys that don't have a championship, like he needs a title mm-hmm. um, to really cement his legacy as, a, as an NBA player. I mean, it's there's so few players that have gone through the NBA that are considered all-time greats without winning a title, like Charles Barkley, Reggie Miller, like those type of players. But even then, it's like they might be considered even higher if they'd won a title. Mm-hmm. So that's just that's kind of what you have to do. That's that's the NBA brotherhood. It's like if you want a title, then you get to talk about stuff. Yeah. Um, and and then Giannis has all these rumors circulating around him recently. Like he's gonna go to Toronto. He's gonna go to <laughs> Golden State. It's like, man, you need to shut all these people up. Win a title in Milwaukee, and then they'll never talk about you leaving Milwaukee again. I was gonna say, I think. I think more than an actual player, the city of Milwaukee has the most to gain or lose from Giannis <laughs> yes. winning a title. Like Giannis wins that title, he's back in Milwaukee for sure for a couple more for years. Life. Yeah, yeah, for but life, it, for sure. Yeah, he doesn't win the title, then the questions continue to linger. So I think there, yeah, there's a two piece right there. People in Milwaukee need Giannis to win this title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so I'd put the whole Giannis slash Milwaukee like number three in this. I agree. Uh, my list is hard. Harden, LeBron, Giannis. Oh, I'm going LeBron. Got to swap. Got to swap LeBron and Harden with you, I, I, dude. I I made such a compelling case for Harden. I can't believe I didn't turn you. You you <laughs> you you made a compelling case enough for me to even have an honorable mention because I didn't even think about having one. I was like, oh no doubt LeBron. This is way easy, and I didn't even think about Harden because I'm just like, oh man, it's Harden. I'm just like okay. you gotta feel for the guy, man. He's earned it. He's earned his his spot as an NBA great in all ways except for this. Yeah, I mean he's he's a great player, no doubt. But yeah, he just has not been able to really cross that line and and win. But anyways, yeah. to close the podcast off here, this I thought this was interesting. Magic Johnson getting his own feature uh, documentary, some to be released sometime in 2021. Man, Magic Johnson. Feeling a bit envious about the last dance, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think everyone saw how well it did, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh well, I, yeah, we got to hop on this bandwagon now. Let's make let's make documentaries about these greats." But yeah, this one's going to be a little different format. It sounds like this was um, first released by uh, Variety. They're the ones that came out with this story, and it's going to be a film like a feature film length documentary so maybe like a two hour documentary versus the 10 10 part mega documentary that was the last dance from michael yeah. jordan uh, it's supposed to span over his five championships he won in la and then kind of segue into how he went on his journey to becoming an entrepreneur in, the, in this spot that he's in right now is or i guess where he was as an nba owner and then whatever the hell he's doing right now yeah interesting it's interesting to me because I feel like these stories have already been told. Um, you know, there's like the Laker versus Boston Celtic documentaries, thirty doc- yeah. ESPN documentaries have come out, and then there's the Magic Johnson versus Larry Bird documentaries that have mm-hmm. also been out. Um, I'm excited to see it, but I almost feel like maybe the story's already been told here. There's also the the announcement thirty for thirty that came out. Uh, um, 
more than a couple years ago now. So there's definitely a lot of content around Magic Johnson. Um, right. Yeah. Probably just wanted to hop on that last dance bandwagon. I, I don't th- especially with like the format, it's not the same format as the last dance. I don't know if it's going to do as well, but I'll probably watch it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm going to watch it, but I mean, the magic of the last dance is like, there's just not that much out there on Michael Jordan, at least from, from a first hand account. Uh, whereas yeah. like Magic Johnson's never been one to shy away from the camera and tell his stories. We need that Kobe documentary. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll get you more NBA content week in and week out here as we get closer to the start of the revamped NBA season. Let's go. Have a good week, everybody.